0: You're listening to the Ask
1: Brian radio show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Like no other station in the world, we are like no other station. Oh wow! Well. Anyway, each week we try to bring on a startup person or somebody that has entrepreneurial background or someone who has success or can teach us something about business. So each week, people ask us why is the show called Ask Brian? A S K B R I E N when your name is Peter, I mean, why are you using as Brian? Well, we already went through that a couple of times, and that really has to do with our domain. It's very hard to get a proper domain. So, we do want to know. So, <laughs> Mr.
0: Patrick. Hello, everybody. How you doing? Doing good. How are you doing, Did Sam? you miss me? I was in South Dakota. I always miss you.
1: Well, you know, I went to Mount Rushmore. It was very interesting. You Really? Yes, very, very good. And I also visited a factory. And you see, I'm wearing my Albany Farm shirt.
0: I do. I do see that. Yeah. Uh, looking
2: fresh, looking fresh,
1: Peter. He's
0: wearing a Nike shirt. Oh,
1: well, and it's very bright red. I know. I, I mean, like my, my eyes. I probably need to get my sunglasses on. I know. <laughs> but anyway, people want to know why Brian is built with a an knee, and you always have the answers for that. I do I do? You don't something. have an answers for anything else, like you know what's the baseball team, or especially what's the best football team? Because he's on coming up with Seattle, and everybody they're
0: not the best football team. They're As not Seahawks. They're not fan, even they the not. worst
1: football team. They're probably below that. Okay.
0: Listen, okay. Jet fan, calm down.
1: Hey, hey, hey. At least we have the right color, green, which is the color of money. Now, okay. why on earth do we spell Brian with an E? Well... Give us some answers.
0: I'll give you some answers. Well, the E's kind of are like the themes of the show, kind of like symbolic of what Ask Brian kind of is. And there's a lot of words that start with E, and uh, one of them would be something that you weren't actually showing me a lot of right now, uh, empathy.
1: But we have went over that before, right?
0: Right. You we wear didn't... a
1: size 14. I wear a size 8.5. My shoes. I thought it was a size 6. Oh, let me take the knife out of, the thing, <laughs> out of my chest. Well, you can't fit in somebody's shoes if you're, sure. you know, I'd be like a clown, you know? I'd be walking around on clown shoes. <laughs> size 14 when I'm wearing size 8. <laughs>
0: fair enough fair enough so i definitely
1: that's why i don't empathize with you
0: <laughs> over shoe sizes all right <laughs> well
1: fair, that's what it's all fair about enough, right fair enough fair fitting enough. in somebody else's shoes
0: <laughs> fair enough outside of that we have one that is always important for the show and that engineers because you can't run the show without the engineers and that would be myself and emily which is also an e
1: hi hi that's it that's me you can't say something else <laughs> No. It's live, it's Emily! Oh, that like is that?
2: too loud.
1: Oh my god. Somebody has to learn to talk around here.
0: <laughs> what are the other reasons for the E? What, what do the E stand for? Well, there is also, one of the most important ones is actually education, because we want to educate people on our show. Do we
1: have like any drums or anything? None of, nothing in
2: that? Come on. Um, you
0: gotta well, come
1: up with something. I'll see. Yeah, you need to start watching the sure. Howard Stern show, and then way you can find out about these little props and pops.
2: I don't watch television.
1: It's not television, it's radio. I just listen... <laughs> oh, it <laughs> is? To
0: be fair, that's, it's, it's radio. Okay. <laughs> that is radio. <laughs> Outside.
1: And out. and she's like... Anyway. And Patrick's like, uh-oh, don't feed the arrogant. All right, so what are the other reasons for the E?
0: <laughs> so, one of your favorites, but I like more... I bring the uh, enthusiasm, and you bring the...
1: Excitement! <laughs> that's... And favorite. don't forget Tracy's favorite. Oh, that is... Grease right. Lightning
0: electrifying.
1: That's right, because Tracy, our co-host, is not available today. We are substituting in Mandy Burra. Drumhole, Freeze. Mandy, are you there? Oh, I am here. Good. Where are you now? You're where? San Antonio?
2: I am in San Antonio, Texas.
1: Well, that GPS, now everybody knows where you are, so they're all going to be coming by and asking (laughs)
2: anyone. Okay, that's fine with me. (laughs) Good. How hot is it there? Really hot. About 100 degrees. Oh, that's,
1: that's very cold, actually. I thought Texas is 100 degrees every <laughs> single day. Wow. What?
2: Cold the right? humidity what? is amazing.
1: I grew up in New York. I love humidity. That's my second name. In fact, if I was, if it wasn't the Ask <laughs> Brian Show, it would be the humidity show. Anyway.
2: How many names do you
1: have? Oh, i Nineteen personalities and twenty five names. I mean
0: All in his head, by the way.
1: (laughs) And more when I drink. (laughs) Oh my (laughs)
0: Lord.
1: (laughs) Anyways.
0: Because our guest is like going,
1: What the hell did I
0: get into? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Outside the easy. (laughs) Give me two more. Oh my goodness uh i'm thinking How about experience and excellence oh experience and excellence that's your and experts
1: right you know i knew if i trained this guy long enough maybe 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 he'd get him you're very close this time very close you know you'll get a uh, eight and a half stars out of ten
0: and hey, c's get degrees what can i say
1: well it's very good so without any further ado and why do i like that word
0: because every single letter minus a d is a vowel it's a d i e u
1: and what are we sesame street for business okay pretty much so, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Course I course. love having you on the show. We didn't even talk about the fact that we're not O'Brien's pub, even though you're Irish, so I left that one out, but I didn't want to leave it out.
0: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough.
1: Thank you very much, Patrick. I really appreciate Bye, it. Bye, everybody. You've really been a chum. <laughs> fair enough. Bye, guys. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Can I get a clap? Come
2: on. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah.
1: We're taking a lot of time here.
2: Can't find it.
1: I did it myself. All right. Like I do everything else, I do it myself. All right. So, George, are you still there? Yes. Wow. That actually (laughs) takes a lot just to be on the show that long. Okay.
3: George. I'm not going to lie. I was doing other stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Watching the paint dry is not acceptable. All right. So.
3: (laughs) Well, remember, you told me about why the name became about when you first did it. Remember, we've known each other a long time, so I I already knew.
1: Oh, that's a very, very long time. You know, back then we were Horses and wagons to work. But
3: yeah, remember, I met with you at the hotel, and went over a whole bunch of SEO advice. It's been a while, man. It's been over
1: six years. Exactly. And that was for Ask Brian, by the way. So, first question we want to know what is your business background? What What makes you worthy of being on the As Brian show? What
0: is your
3: background? <laughs> I'm not worthy. <laughs> no, honestly, since I was 17, I uh, purchased my first home on an assumable loan, which means. You guys probably know, it was no qualification, no, no income. It was very odd. I was uh, 17. It was I think it was 1987. Bought that home, flipped it in three months, got the taste of money, and never needed the need for college. And since then, I've been uh, you know, working on, uh, I think I was 21, more so the residential end, took a little lapse there into a business and uh, sold that business. Actually, Peter helped me with the sale. Then I dived in 08, full-time, into commercial real estate. And, and by the way, Peter did help me retire at the age of 32 when I sold that business and led me to have the cash to be able to work on commercial real estate, which is so much less painful than having a bunch of employees.
1: Well, thank you very much for the compliment. I appreciate that. And remember, it was all you. I just did the documentation. So... Uh, I appreciate that too, brother. No problem. couple questions we have for you. So did you get a real estate license?
3: No, I never needed a... A license? Never wanted one. I don't want to be a broker. Never wanted to be. Never wanted the, you know, all the rules and regulations and, you know, it, it just they have a bad rep. And what I do is basically is I look at a property, if I like it, and I can tell you which ones to buy, which ones not to buy, and I'll either take it, rent it out, or do some minor repairs and uh, and sell the property. I, I typically hate to keep it and rent because in my whole lifetime. I've never seen properties ever have rent-free tenants, even 7-Elevens and Vons. They won't pay you. So I've always was better off on filling them up with good tenants and then selling them and walking away, always having cash in hand to do it again.
1: So I would think that if any area, that commercial real estate's got to be the most difficult for two reasons. One, we've seen during COVID on the office side where many people are working from home and some people are saying, why do I need to go to the office? I can just do a Zoom call. And secondarily, with the internet and expansion and Amazon, where everybody's delivering everything to home, the brick and mortar is kind of going down. So I had to guess, I would think that'd be a dangerous area to be in. So, but you're in that commercial real estate, industry, so I'm curious to what you think are the
3: growth factors for that area. I got to tell you, even doing uh, corona, it won't really hit as bad as you might think. I mean, what you see on TV, it's just to get you to come back after the commercial break. There's not a lot of people that went out of business, believe it or not. But you're correct. Office took a hit, especially with all that we work and you know, we all share space. In fact, I was gonna invest heavily from here to New York in all these co work shared offices because you get more per square foot. Long story short, we got lucky we didn't consummate a lot of deals because corona came up. And now even after corona, people like you said are like, Hey, we can do this on Zoom, we can do it at home. So yes, office is the worst to buy, period. As far as retail, retail is safe, Peter, because retail can always be used for retail and can always be used for professional office use and sometimes warehouse use. So retail can be used for everything. Retail has always been safe. People are always going to want to go out and eat. People still want to go touch and feel things. So even with Amazon, retail if in the right area. You'll crush it in the right area. What? I mean, I'll tell you one quick thing. On PCH and Redondo Beach, Chipotle opens up on a corner. Corner unit, Chipotle. You know what their stock is? Chipotle is insane. They went out of business in four months. So not everybody is smart enough to predict the area, but they made a stupid mistake because they opened up in an area that did not have other anchors. And that's really the key. If there's a Starbucks, a McDonald's, you should buy there. It's yep. not brain surgery. They are smarter than me, and they do a lot more research than me. And if they're there, that's a place to buy.
1: So what kind of research should somebody do if they're interested? Let's say I'm interested in buying a piece of property on Jefferson and Lincoln.
3: Well, retail or industrial, because that's the two to buy.
1: Two to buy is retail, and the
3: other one is industrial? Industrial, warehouse, industrial, recession-proof. You're always going to need to either store, ship, warehouse. Even you can do a lot of industrial allow you to do retail they allow you. The city says, you know what? If you can do a little storefront, we're good with that. So industrial is just recession-proof. But retail and industrial are what to buy. And in answer to your question, it really depends what kind of business, what's your intention? To run your own business, open a franchise, or rent it out, or flip it?
1: And you're specifically only going to purchases, correct? We're not talking about anything else. We're not talking about either rent-to-own deals or leasing property instead and subleasing it out,
3: correct? Not to lease it out, no. I like to do short-term leases, get a nice uh, OM, offer memorandum going, and say, look, the whole place is leased up, and then sell it, because you're always going to have problems with tenants, always. But I will also add one thing that I never would get into is residential multifamily. The rules, the laws are always against you as a landlord, and you're just completely against you. I mean, without getting into details, I avoid it. They're selling, there's so much on the block now because people have realized we're selling these things. They used to sell at a 1.3 cap in California. Now they're selling at five, six, and seven caps because people are realizing, yeah, we're not getting our money. And I mean before Corona. So So multifamily, I avoid, and office space, I avoid. And as far as retail and industrial, I buy them, fill them up with good tenants, and sell them. Okay, George. And then you're always having cash. Not I mean, think about it. Why would you buy a, a, a retail strip center, one that has a triple net investment, has people in it, and you're making 3 to 5% cap? And that's assuming you get your rent on the first of every month with no issues. So you're giving somebody $2 million to get 60, grand grand in your pocket every year after taxes. Why would you do that? I would sell it for $2 million, take the 300000 have it in the bank, and buy my next one.
1: So the next question is, what is a cap? Not everyone understands 1.3.
3: The capitalized annual. So basically, you take a percentile of what you, to make it easy, of what you paid, and then you will divide that by your NOI, your net operating income. So if you've got a property that's selling for $2 million, and they're telling you your net operating income is 200 grand, then that's a 10% cap rate. That's a pretty good rate, but you're never going to see that. And why is that? That means you're taking in every year 200 grand on that building. But that doesn't happen because the average cap rate is anywhere from 3 to 5%. That means $2 million, you're lucky if you take in seventy dollars hundred and ten thousand dollars a year. So I always ask myself, why would I give you $2 million to make seventy grand? Because How we're long would that take to make my $2 million back? And that's assuming everybody pays on time. It makes no sense. I'd rather take the profit, put that in the bank, buy my next one. Sell that, put the profit in the bank, buy my next one. And then I'm always ready to cash out.
1: Mandy had a question. Go ahead, Mandy.
2: Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was on <laughs> mute. Um, what are some of the risks in commercial real estate?
3: That's a pretty broad question. I'm <laughs> what part of commercial? You're I mean, the risk what, to buying a new one, buying one as a triple net investment, meaning that you know it's all full of tenants.
2: I only heard part of that. What did you say again?
3: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm saying so. For more clarity on the question is. As far as what, to buy it vacant, to rent it out, or to buy it tenanted with income, which type of commercial investment?
2: Yeah, to buy it, rent it out. You know, what are the risks in that?
3: To rent it out, so you want to own it and have tenants in it paying you rent. Right. Oh, yeah, the main, main risk, as I said earlier, is not getting paid. Okay. Not getting paid. Because remember, as Peter Peter said earlier, with corona and even before corona, We always heard Amazon, retail, retail. Yeah, if you have a tenant that's selling clothes, a boutique little clothing store, no, (laughs) you know, nail shops are everywhere because Amazon can't do that. But nail shops have a very limited capacity to the type of rent they can pay you. See what I'm saying? So they can't always pay top market rent. Uh, Hair people, you can't do that on Amazon, but they don't pay a lot. Cafes go out of business every day. So that's the risk to you buying it with tenants or filling it up with your tenants, the risk is people going out of business or just not paying you. Right. Well, that makes sense. You know, but with residential, you have no right, literally. But with commercial, yeah, you can start the procedure to, you know, to get them out legally. You can get them out as early as like three months, where in residential could be nine months to a year to forever. But why do you want to go through that process and then you have to find another tenant? So the other thing is, if you have one super anchor, you know, a name brand, that could pretty much help you stay afloat if the other people don't pay.
1: Okay. So you also mentioned to me, beyond commercial real estate, that you also have a focus on franchising. I'm trying to understand, does that mean you look at commercial real estate to buy for franchisees, or is it a completely different subject and you're just dealing with franchising system?
3: Uh, they're They're both pretty much combined. So for example... Uh, as Mandy was also asking to another semi-risky, would be or to make a franchise less risky. Say I'm looking at a franchise and I really love it. I love their concept. I think they're going to grow. They're doing well. What I always do is I always approach them with, look, before we get into anything, of course, my franchise specialist attorney, Peter, you, are going to review the docs. But before that, I always make it clear to them that, I'm not going to use their real estate service. I'm going to want to find a commercial property, a retail property for this business that I would own. And the reason for that is the biggest cost of a franchise is the build out. A lot of people don't know that. You know, a franchise is 30 to 60 grand a license on average. But the cost really comes in when they tell you you have to go lease a place. And that lease is usually pretty high because they want you, you know, on a main street or a high walking area. But the biggest cost, initial cost, is usually 300 to half a million dollars for an average person just to do the build-out in that place you lease. So I always think to myself, well, why would I do that? I'd rather own the place, and if I have to do the build-out, at least I'm doing it for some place I own. And should the franchise fail, I don't have a lease I have to worry about. So I look at it that way, only if I'm looking at the franchise would be mine to put in it. But as far as franchising and advising on franchises, no, I, I, I don't do that.
1: I thought that one of the biggest factors in buying a franchise like a McDonald's is their site selection. You know, that they're going to go out and do all this analysis to find out the best location. So is it that they do, that,
3: do all that analysis for you and then you just try to buy the location? Not for a McDonald's because those are un- really unattainable. You know, they pretty much Prefer the people that are really franchisees. It's really hard to get into them, and I'm actually not interested in McDonald's. But most even name brand franchises, the, the, which you just said is correct to a certain degree, because you can always negotiate with them and say, you know, I, I disagree with this place and I want another place. But you don't want to rock the boat sometimes. So if the place they're looking at is available to purchase, I would do it. If it wasn't, I wouldn't engage in the franchise. So in other words, I never get involved in a franchise unless I can own the property. And the good reason about that too is that you know the tenant. So you know their intentions. And again, if the franchise fails, if the concept fails, I'm just going to lease out the building to another franchise and then sell it. And remember this, even if I was to buy it, put a franchise in it, my intent is to sell it in about a year. Why so quickly? Don't you lose money if you sell it? Well, because then I can show that the tenant, the franchise has been paying, which is me, been paying on time and because I like to be in and out. I'm I mean I'm, I'm 54 years old, but in that time period, how many recessions have I seen? How many times have I seen the market collapse overnight? I, I mean, with no notice. And I realized time and time again to have cash in the bank it's always perfect because then you can go on a shopping spree. Well,
2: do you do this on your own or do you have an entire team that
3: No, um, oh, by myself. Yeah, by myself. No. Absolutely. Especially with software and the internet, you know. Today, my wife, of course, helps me does the money end of it. I mean, I couldn't do all, you know, the deposits, the bank accounts, the wire transfers, that stuff. But no, and I typically work with brokers because, as Peter asked me earlier, I mean, I don't want to be a broker. I work with brokers in every city nationwide that I have relationships with. I've made them a ton of money, and they give me off-market deals, preferential treatment, and we trust each other. So we don't always look at every INT, which I do but we trust each other. So if that is other people helping, I guess the answer would be yes. Okay. Because, you know, nobody, you can have a broker like today send you a whole list of emails of of, something from your criteria, whatever you're interested in. A lot of them don't do it anymore. I mean, it's silly because you could just go online to a website like LoopNet, CoStar, even Redfin, and you can find your own properties and you just contact a broker you know in that area and say, hey, it's me. Here's one that I'm interested in do your magic, tell me what's going on locally, then I do my due diligence, and we'll go that way.
2: Do you offer investments and funds or deals?
3: No.
1: So you don't do anything syndicated? (laughs) No. And it would seem to me, I'd be a little concerned, you're trying to get in and out so quickly in a year or so. You know, like, for instance, this is a good good year example, right? We have interest rates that were 3% three months ago. Now they're like 6%, and it might be 9%, whatever. So I would think to get in and out of a real estate during this time period may be more difficult and uh, or more challenging than other time. Do you agree? Well, that's the good thing about never
3: being in over a year. See my point? It, it, that's the reason that I don't stay in long enough to get hit doing doing things like this. And, and are you buying these things for cash or do you taking out loans? Well, if you're, well, I, but let me back up. But you do have a point. What, what does you say the way this thing? The interest rates flew right up. Remember, they told us these rates were going to go like this. So. When they started, I think it was February or whatever, I, right away, you know, you, you buy because you know they're going to go up. But by the way, there are a lot of properties that regardless of the rates, Peter, they sell because a lot of these people are coming in all cash. Are your deals all cash typically or are they they not I try, you know, obviously if it's in my budget, but no, because remember, I'm flipping them so soon that a lot of times I end up not even paying my first payment. I really don't. What I will say, and I don't want to insult brokers out there, but I will, 99% of a property that doesn't sell right away, 99% of the issue is whoever is listing it. And unfortunately, the sellers, I feel bad for them, but I don't because they chose that broker because they maybe got a bargain, got a deal. The brokers really screw it up. And by putting together a package in a PDF that highlights the demographics, the area, the potential businesses, giving them ideas, you know, people want to be led. And, and, and if you do that, you can sell it before you even make your first payment. Like on, I, I work a lot with bridge loans. Like, for example, you know what a bridge loan is. So, you know, it's really a line of equity. So I'll dip into that. They know I have the properties to so back it up. I dip into that, take the cash, buy it. Before I even have to make my first payment, I'm I'm, I'm paying it back. Nobody wants to pay interest. One, thing, one My biggest goal is always never to pay interest. And so far in the last 20 years, I've never paid a penny in interest. What about when the prices are declining? Oh, as far as selling them? Well, I mean, at that point, well, that's the beauty. I never had them long enough to worry about it. Declining prices in commercial real estate don't happen overnight. I mean, even look at residential. It's declining, but prices are still up. You know, people are still getting multiple offers. So no, it's not like they don't go down that fast. And especially what they call the premium Type of commercial that I always like to stay in. And, and remember that, too, def- the more you pay, the better, the safer, and the more you'll make. People want to go buy in those, you know, certain neighborhoods, and because they're getting a bargain, and they think they're going to turn around a whole neighborhood. You're not going to turn around a whole neighborhood if it's a crappy neighborhood. It's going to be a crappy property, and and there's a reason why it's for sale.
1: You mentioned get buying in premium areas. How do you know that's premium?
3: Well, remember I was saying there earlier that, you know, I'm not the smartest person in the world. Yeah. Remember Starbucks and McDonald's, use those as big barometers and they'll tell you you're in the right neighborhood. I mean, literally. That's interesting. Oh, God. In fact, what I was saying about an offering memorandum, it's a package you create in a PDF highlighting the property, everything around it. The smart brokers, the first thing you see when you open up a, this offering memorandum on a property is the Starbucks logo the McDonald's logo, the Taco Bell logo, and you start realizing, basically, you're telling them, look, if these geniuses that rarely fail are here, then they've done all the, the work, they've done the uh, traffic counts, the analytics, The you know. Oh, and another thing, you see billboards, that's a street to be on for obvious reasons. Don't pop those up on any street. So that's what I mean by premium properties. So
1: what is the best business lesson you've learned in your career? That taught me a lesson not to do it again or, no, what's, or what's to do biggest, it again.
2: <laughs> if you <wanted> to t- <laughs> well I was kinda I was gonna ask the same question, like what you know, what mistakes have you made in your career that actually turned out to be a success?
1: Not being on Ask Brian soon enough, but go ahead.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard to say I mean, the mistakes I have made was I would say as far as the real estate, as far as business in general, was trusting people. That you hire And you bring in underneath your roof or brokers that you work with and you learn and and, and you get hit and you take a hit and that helps you succeed later on because you know not to do it again. And I'll tell anybody out there, if you open up a business, whatever you do, do not open up a partnership. There's not one that will ever succeed. Do it yourself or just don't do it at all, whether it's a family member or a friend. You know, whether you're going to invest in a, in a commercial property, I get up all the time. Hey, let's, let's all get on this $20 million building. If we all put $5 million, You know, we can all own it. Don't do that because I know and I've done it, you get hit because when you want to sell it, you got four or five people that have to chime in and everybody will have a different opinion. If there's an issue, repairs, five people have to decide if they don't, it becomes a problem. So that's one big thing. Never invest with other people. It hurt me. I've lost money, and I realized not do it again. And 20 years later, I've become a success because I learned from it. Any other lessons you've learned? You know what? I've had health issues because I took this home seven days a week. I'll say put a cutoff. You know, if I would have stopped earlier, it would have been better. But you do need to work seven days a week no matter what you do. But when you hit a certain amount, don't get greedy. You don't need more. I had a point where I had seven exotic cars and four properties. In the last 10 years, I got rid of all that. And guess what? I'm starting to sleep again. So what I'm saying is don't worry too much and don't get too greedy. If you get what you want and you're happy, take it and run.
1: Oh, I'm gonna, I love that. I'm going to go a little bit off topic, but you, did, you just made a comment about happy. What makes you happy? That was oh. a very open-ended question. Fam- <laughs> family,
3: money, money, money. Oh, and money. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Family, money, and travel.
1: Well, you have to pay a lot of money to be on this show, so you don't have any of
3: that. <laughs> The check's in the mail. Mandy's <laughs> taking care of it. <laughs> yeah. It's just on its way. <laughs> so, um...
2: So, if you describe yourself in one word, what would that be?
3: Worries too much, driven, and just loves the hell out of this country. That's a very interesting comment. Well, because if it wasn't for the USA, I wouldn't be where I'm at.
1: So we have about a minute and a half left, and and the question I have for you is, with the internet, with everything going on, do you see real estate becoming more of a situation where people are going to go online and take 3D tours and just look at the accounting financials, or do you think people are going to continue to be looking, okay, I want to buy that building, I need
3: to check it out and see what condition it's like, etc.? What do you think of It that? depends on the building. If it's an industrial warehouse with Matterport, which I want to disclose I'm an investor in Matterport, which is that you know, what it is that we kind of feel like you're 3D inside of a property. For retail, I always suggest you got nothing beats going out and looking at it. But I will tell you, and I want this on the record, I do see the internet and you're going to think I'm crazy. It's going to hit a brick wall soon. I, you know, People are just need to get out again. And, and look what Elon Musk and other companies are saying, you know, get your butt back to work. And I don't mean just for work. I mean, just in general, it's kind of hitting a brick wall. You know, it's not going to disappear, but people need to get out again. And I think retail, because again, it can be used for professional office and warehousing. It's the best buy if you follow the rules of McDonald's, Starbucks, and billboards. And that's the cheapest, fastest way to know if you're on the right area.
1: The other thing I wanted to say is, if anybody ever wants to listen to the Ask Brian podcast, the Ask Brian podcast is on Spotify, it's on Apple iTunes, it's on Amazon, all the podcasts you can listen to anytime you want. It's a little shorter version because it doesn't have commercials, but anyway, it's available. uh, You can look it up anytime you want. So with about two and a half minutes left, George, some of the people want to know, give us three criteria you would look at. You said traffic, okay? And you said, you know, you want to follow the McDonald's and companies, but give us three things you would look for to decide whether or not that commercial property is the right property
3: for you. Resale, if I can resell it within a very short time period, meaning if I can get tenants in it or it has good tenants that I can turn the building around. Second thing with the the physical aspects of the property, land, if it has enough land, if it doesn't have a small lot, if it has a small lot, I don't buy it. It's got to have room for growth or for enough off-street parking, meaning you can get more tenants if their customers can park off-street. So that's another thing I look for in a commercial property. Last but not least is obviously the price. You know, it's got to be the right price. I've got to be able to make at least a 20% markup after paying commissions and escrow on the property. If I can't do that, I don't look at the property.
1: Do you find that most brokers are willing to lower their fees? I mean, I, I know the standard in residential is about 3%. Do you find that mo- you can usually find a broker in commercial, go
3: for less than 3%? And is that Well, the standard in residential is 2.5, by the way. Sorry about that. But I, I know you're, you know, and I, I don't mean to correct you, but it's 2.5. About uh, 3 is like way off there. A lot of them go down to 2. As far as commercial, the answer to your question is absolutely, you know. I've seen some do it, believe it or not, at no charge, if you commit to having them represent you on another purchase or if they get a piece of the sale or the piece of their I mean you know it's so saturated out there nowadays with brokers they will work with you and the ones that don't you know there's too many out there to give them the full price unfortunately but I will say the good brokers deserve what they get and and what is a good broker what what does a good broker do for you what what are the things a a broker that that represents me will watch my back if I make a mistake they'll say hey George wait a minute you know, we got to make sure this has no assessments. We've got to double check this, that. Uh, a good broker that's the listing agent, that's the seller's broker, has got to be somebody that's responsive, that returns your calls and emails in a timely manner, that is willing to put things in writing and not just tell you things and not put it in writing. Got to hell with it in writing, as my good friend Peter Bronstein tells me, and you just got to get it in writing. A bad broker refuses to answer questions in writing, doesn't return your calls, emails, and, you know, just makes showings harder, is not always available to show, that's a bad broker. But I will say, out there today, there's many good brokers, but unfortunately, many more bad ones that are good ones. And do you currently use a broker
1: uh, consistently, or do you switch around?
3: Oh, no, it depends on the city, because some can't represent, like a lawyer, you know, some are only licensed in certain states. So one is licensed in California. I will use them per area. I've got one in San Diego, Long Beach. Uh, Orange County, you know, the Bay Area, because they usually like to stay within their loop.
1: And they're only registered
3: per state, correct, usually? No, a lot of them, some of them have multi-states like attorneys do. Some of them are, but most of them are usually one, maybe two. The smart ones are the ones that get registered from coast to coast for obvious reasons for people that, you know, move coast to coast. But again, unfortunately, there are less smart ones out there. There are good ones. I mean, you just, like I said, you got to make sure they respond to you. You know, you feel like they're watching your back, and you always got have, you have to give somebody a chance, not a second one, because money's too important to give two chances on.
1: Thank you very much. That's a great lesson to learn. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you, George. We'll be back next week. To listen to the Esquire Radio Show, KCS 1220, and 98.1 FM.